0: JLB
1: Mornings, the
0: podcast. Jeff and backstage, Ben Noel G on, uh, on, on this hit of the, on the podcast. He's off just this one day, but he's done schedules. We're going to lay something up.
1: Yep, that's right. Got to make it happen. Um, b-
0: big news. And we've had uh, it's almost some, I would say almost conclusion that will happen when it opens. But Zellers. Yeah. We had rumblings a little over a week ago. Got some... Minor details, essentially breadcrumbs that we put together. And then actually a listener was like, oh, my son works there. Like they've already talked, like they know. And well, that confirmed it because we got confirmation today from Hudson Bay Company to say, um, yeah, it's a thing. 25 retail loca- locations across Canada, one in London, one in Cambridge. So there's a couple of within driving distance. yep. yep. They're probably going to be between 10 and 25,000 square feet. Not a full on store. Remember, they were about like 100,000 square feet, which is yeah, typical retail. Yeah. Not the same footprint, but they're really going to lean into the online side as well at Zellers.ca. Well, that's
1: fun. And it's at the Bay. The Bay has done good work with that. They had like the FAO Schwartz set up over Christmas yep. a few years yep. ago. I don't think that they did it this year, but. They, it, it feels like a different store within the store, which is kind of good because the Bay, I, I do love a lot of the stuff at the Bay. It's just so spread out. Wherever you go, uh-huh. it's spread out, and the inventory doesn't seem there. The staff doesn't seem there. The customers don't seem there because stupid online shopping. <laughs> I've wondered that. They
0: have, yeah, some phenomenal products, and I've bought on and off from them. I, when you go and you bargain hunt at the Bay, you can get some crazy deals off yeah, big you brands. Can. Yep. But you're right. It always just feels a little... Sparse, so I wonder if that'll make it where you know they push everything, they condense it together,
1: and have that location for Zellers. Yeah, all. you kind of hope so, and I, I think, I kind of want to relive. So I just have this weird. I'm, I think, among the last age of like, just going out and 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 being bustled around shopping in mm-hmm. a store as a kid. You know, I, I remember that sort of thing, and and growing up in a small town, Shadham, Ontario, we would either go to Windsor or London for a little bit more action as yeah. far as shopping and yeah. that kind of thing goes. So it's always. I always remember like seeing the toy section and thinking how exciting it was and there were kids around and everybody was having a good time. And now I look and it's like I can't even find an associated yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been twenty eight days later. Yeah, I wonder, will we will regular retail turn into as you're
0: seeing like malls of the past from the eighties and nineties that or in smaller towns where they've all gone to those outdoor
1: power centers? Yeah, yeah. Our mall in Saint Thomas just launched a mini golf setup. Like, in the halls. Yeah, because I, I, I go
0: occasionally to the, uh, the Good Life there. Yeah, Sorry, the uh, Fit for Less. The fit for Less, yeah. Same, same. Yeah. And uh, I saw that. I did a little stroll through. I was like, oh, there's a magazine shop, variety shop, Northern yep. Reflections. Yeah. Yep. Just got oh. a Yisk. That's exciting. Hey, yeah. uh, but the, the Dollarama push, got a hotel attached to that thing basically yep. now. Yeah. It's a good repurpose. Now, if we're just talking malls specifically, one that I, I've thought about when I was in the Bell store uh, like a week and a half ago, I'm looking around at uh, Westmount Mall. It's Mm -hmm. got a big footprint. Yeah, you could knock it down, build condos, but sure. But hear me out on this. So you've got the vast majority of the stores in the lower level for accessibility purposes. Yes. The upper levels, they're sparse downtown, and and this is across you know Kitchener Waterloo uh, et cetera uh, across the whole board where someone will come in and put like an educational institute or a dentist's office in the upper level. What if you turn those into condos? So then think about it. You know you've got, if, if you're a variety store in a mall, you kind you do okay. Yeah. But if you've got customers there, then you could maybe have an expansion of a grocery store. Ooh. You could do, if you've got a grocery store kind of uh, on the ass end of uh, of, yep. of that mall, yep. you could maybe have extra hours, an hour before, hour after mm-hmm. for those that, residents that live there. I just feel I like there's something that now, I'm not a developer, so what I know nothing. This isn't just a guess, but I wonder if down the road, because- You've got services already in there. You basically are dropping some walls in. Oh, sure, you'd have to put some new bathrooms and things like that in yeah, for individual units.
1: We're kind of build on top of it, even if that's a possibility. If you know, there might be some infrastructure that needs to be changed there. But I worked at a very busy intersection in Toronto. Yeah, and I worked at a movie theater and that move and that that mini mall on the corner, Young and Eglinton. Yeah. So very popular spot. But it was as they were building more condos around it and like within that. Exact building, um, there was a metro, and that place started absolutely booming. Like mm-hmm. it was so busy. There was the movie theater. We saw a huge change in the amount of attendance. Imagine, like, hey, let's go check a movie, and it's an elevator ride. That's all it is. Well, just that's just it. Down. Yeah, like Westmount also has
0: the Cineplex uh, Cinema so, right yep. behind it. The yep. Cineplex there. Yep. Come on, you put in some walking bridges. You've got mall walkers that come in. So to me, you're like you're upping foot traffic. The biggest thing with with all centers in Ontario is yeah. ha- lack of housing. Yeah. Well, you've already got the big shell of that building built. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not digging down to the dirt to restart development. Exactly. Because, like, what is it? What does this nutso world look like in twenty years? Urban sprawl is a problem. I'm speaking to London and spending a lot of time living here. Yeah. Waterloo region has just always been spread because you got like nine communities lumped together. But so far from one spot to another, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if it's it places like that what, with malls, and we've seen some that are just completely shuttered and sitting empty. Mm-hmm. Will that be? Something. Of course, you'd need a two-level mall like Georgian Mall in Owen Sound, but maybe not. Maybe one end is all retail, and the other end is the yeah. residential side, yeah. indoor parks, and like things like that. Some of the parking lot can, can, can get converted if you've already got mm. underground parking, like Westmount Mall. Yeah. Like, so yeah. think of the pros in all of this. Yes, sir. I like it. God, I should run for mayor. You should. You really should. Uh, man, no, I I, vote. I distaste nothing more. I don't want to use the word hate because I, <laughs> you understand and you hope the vast majority of that are entering politics want to do it for the future and for benefit. But unfortunately, the political promises and the, the success rate on oh, those, yeah, we're still single digits. Yeah. This is, I wish I could pull the article up. Maybe oh, I, I deep dive. I'll, I'll pull it back. At some point, I've got to bring it up with like yeah. the official rundown. But I remember reading it going, that makes complete sense. How many politicians from municipal all the way to federal make oh, yeah. all these dumb promises? Yeah. They hook us or give us a tax credit. We're like, yeah, that's my guy, that's my girl, let's go there. And then nothing happens. <sighs> nothing.
1: Yeah. This is
0: outside true. of helping themselves and or friends and businesses. Yeah,
1: for sure. Oh yeah.
0: But yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So on, on the whole, Zellers making a return. Yes. That'll be the first in a long time if ever I can recall a brand that went extinct. Has come back. They get absorbed. Like Future Shop went into Best Buy.
1: Yeah, true. Um, True.
0: A Target Canada was a complete failure. That was just inside logistics. It was a failure. Yes, they. It was like they thought Canadians don't need things, (laughs) but we do. Um, HMV.
1: Oh, I miss HMV. So is
0: Sunrise essentially the only one that kind of remains in that
1: world? Uh, Yes, I think the bigger chains and they. Uh, have taken a lot of the HMV locations across Canada, okay, because they are still doing fairly well. I think uh, I go in quite often. There's two in London. There's one in in KW. There might be two actually, but uh, it, it's always very well stocked. It's the prices are comparable. I guess I wouldn't say like the cheapest that yeah. you can get, but yeah, I think they do well, and they also they're online options are not great. Like, it's mostly ordering to the store kind of thing. You can see what the inventory is, but it's not like a whole lot of delivered right to your door and that kind of thing. So I don't know if that's a detriment or Mm -hmm. if it actually just brings people to the store more often. I kind of like that
0: idea. But they got smart and realizing they needed to up kind of the accessory game. Yeah. Straight up vinyl,
1: CDs and whatever, kind of through the years. Yeah. Even movies are just, it's not with streaming and everything physical media has taken a hit now that said vinyl is it's the 16th straight year that it has increased in sales every and year you talked about the weird fact that it was a taylor swift nugget wasn't it <laughs> taylor swift is responsible for one out of every 25 records sold <laughs> uh over the past <laughs> year mostly due to "Midnights." and so she has four color variants of this album so all that means is the vinyl is a different color Songs are the same, album cover's the same, everything's the same, except for the color of the vinyl. And that causes people to buy all four of them. That If you're a collector
0: or a fan, yeah. it, it adds up and makes sense. You it, you don't have to give Cole's notes because we're on a podcast. You explained to me about how they color vinyl, and I was like, that is so it's interesting. really cool, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. sitting down
1: for this. Hold on. Okay, so... <laughs> in, so In the vinyl world, people are sometimes purists that Mm -hmm. say if it's a color vinyl, if it's a picture disc or anything like that, the quality takes a hit because they're adding things that are unnecessary, just putting grooves in wax. So everybody's like, black wax is the only way that you can go. It has to be black vinyl, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out that the vinyl used is actually clear. So black is a color that they add to Uh the vinyl. (laughs) But what they do is it's a little puck. It's a puck of wax that it is generally now... Pre colored to be a black puck. Right. It looks like a hockey puck. They put it in the middle of a press. Sometimes they'll roll it around like a donut in, in literal just plastic sprinkles. Delicious. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. And they'll do that to give it that sort of, it's like a rainbowy color. They put it in the press. The press that has the grooves, the, it's a metal press that has the grooves built in, flattens it, it spins it to cut the edge around, and then it comes out. And those little Pieces of plastic have now been smooshed out, and they call that a splatter variant usually. Yeah. So it looks like a firework going off or something like that. I have, at this point, I have hundreds of different color vinyls, and they're really, really. vinyls. I knew that was going to happen. The plural of vinyl is vinyl. (laughs) But I do have so many of those color and splatter records and that kind of thing. And it's really cool. Does it make any difference at this point? Not really. Like the sound quality is still really good. Um, If anything, all that does is generally just increase the value for collectors because, like Taylor Swift, she's not the only one that does color variants of right. a thousand different kinds. Sometimes there's the the cover is different. Sometimes it's bonus tracks, which makes sense, you know, more content you would think. Uh-huh. But you go into a store now, and there will be two records side by side and a five dollar difference, and it's because one of them is a color variant. It's nuts. Hey, do what you've got to do. Well, that, and you, <laughs> I I do take some pleasure out of it. The latest Foo Fighters album, "Medicines at Midnight." Uh, there was a black version, which is the standard version, and then there's like a cool, purpley color one. Yeah, I would just rather have the cool purpley color. One.
0: <laughs> it's fun. I don't know. I dig, it. I, dig I, it. I All for it. And yeah, I'm. I definitely there'll be a point where I jump onto YouTube and I spend 35 minutes watching videos on how
1: stuff is oh, made. It's so cool. Yeah, it's super fun. Oh. But so, and that's the thing. Like we've recently discussed, uh, Arkells dropped their album Blink Twice in November. And there's no wax yet. There's no vinyl version of this. And it's thanks to even Max from Arkell's did a thing. He's like, look, I love all these artists. But Adele, Harry Styles, Taylor Swift, and Ed Sheeran basically have pushed everybody out of these pressing plans because there are so few pressing plans in the world. Adele, their whole thing was she printed a million copies of 30. And that was a two record set. So they pressed two million copies, like two million records. That would take forever. Is there still a, still a lot of
0: um, between automation and like actual human hands to touch the record in the process? There is, yeah. There are
1: human hands. Hence, still. why that would involve kicking the smaller orders out, right? For sure. Okay. Yeah, and there's just so much that you can do. Like, no matter how many pressing, you know, the actual machinery you have to press them, there is that level of you got to physically move. The wax from one spot to another. Right, right. They ch- then check it and then they they'll put it in the slipcase and everything like that. So it is still a lot of handiwork. Um, Jack White owns a couple of the pressing plants from uh, from White Stripes. And oh like no way! Guy. Yeah. So everybody's saying like build more. This is we're we're seeing this trend is not slowing down. And that the, the argument many many moons ago of well d- digital media it's the way to go ah let's
0: talk on the electricity usage for all those servers mm-hmm. pushing all that data.
1: Each and every day that uh, that study is one of my favorite studies. Now, I wonder if it's still accurate, because as we're seeing more and more vinyl being pressed a couple of years ago, I think it was like twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. There was a study that showed that the server usage is contributing to more greenhouse gases and more climate change from Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal all uh, like yeah. even like the high res stuff because that takes up a ton more server space. That server space is worse for the environment than pressing any vinyl. Like the amount of vinyl in the 70s that was pressed, that's being pressed now, it's so much worse. The electronic aspect of it is so much worse for the, for the environment than because people think, <laughs> you know, this you are just buying a piece of plastic that's going to eventually at some point end up in trash or something it, as you talk that in my head i'm just thinking like crypto
0: crypto, crypto
1: yeah oh like. man and crypto is so oh, with all the data too. mining and yeah, s- oh my yeah.
0: gosh it's com- like, what a complete joke and then <laughs> all that crypto guy that sam something freed oh yeah have you have you gone down that
1: that little rabbit hole yet I, honestly i look at the headlines and give myself a little chuckle usually because so they're saying, you know, it is tanked like 220 times or whatever. Like, it's just – it's such a fraction of it. They're like, yeah, it used to be worth so-and-so million, and now it's only worth, you know, 12,000 a share or something like that. It's still, like, good, but people are losing money like crazy. Yeah, and the fact that, like, he came out of nowhere, essentially,
0: and was living in the Bahamas with a group of friends, and they were on – were- they were on some heavy narcotics and having sex with each other. Like there, <laughs> there was like there are no checks and balances, and None. now you're seeing a spin. It's almost like, and this is a cons- <laughs> I hate conspiracy theory, but people with a better education on it nigh, and, and in a way, I'm I'm kind of just echoing uh, while mixing and a peppering in a few of my own thoughts. They're basically saying. That the roundabout way the government was getting scared, governments globally on, yeah. on crypto because, you know, blockchain, you couldn't find it, couldn't track it, all yeah. of those things. And it, it was kind of creating money out of nothing mm-hmm. where normally things have been based, you know, like gold-based or gold-backed currencies. And, and that was, it wasn't the case anymore. And then the value slipping. But you got to remember, coming out of the pandemic, governments were just literally printing money to yeah. try to keep things afloat. For sure. So now the idea is, and the major banks are going to get are getting into crypto. So they'd be, boom, there's government
1: regulation. Yeah, so absolutely. People will get their pockets lined. and uh, and But that's always, that's all it ever yeah, is. It Really? <laughs> I, I, this, uh, I struggle with stocks. I don't understand it nearly enough to ever make money on it. But I've spoken to people who have, you know, either retired early because of stocks or they've been able to make a career out of it. Yeah. Not billionaires by any means, but- and it's they always say look you can get a little bit out of it but you're not the one that's making all the money on these stocks like there are a very select few and i feel like this just feels pyramid schemey in the fact that if we buy some with the hopes of making a couple of extra thousand dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or whatever that is equaling hundreds of millions for the people at the top like it's we're not we're not benefiting that much.
0: That the old middle class isn't even really in existence. No, it anymore. It doesn't exist now, for it, sure. It is very it's thinned out. Yeah. Where where yep. it used to be the meat patty on the bun. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it used to be a double burger. <laughs> we, now it's it's one little freeze dried onion. <laughs> <laughs> it feels that way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It absolutely does. But I,
0: same thing on, on crypto, it was the it was a year ago I got into it. I was like, okay, I'll do wealth simple. I'll yep. put a little bit in. I think I got a thousand bucks going in and I had a few things. And then by May, I had made little to nothing. Like I, on my thousand, was I up like
1: $28 or something like well, that? Well, I remember at one point, you're like, I'm up 200 bucks," which is nothing to scoff yeah, at. Yeah. You know, an extra $200 is nice. But then those conversations just kind of went away. <laughs> but that was the yeah. thing, too. Like, the whole conversation around it has really gone way down. It was yeah. all anybody could talk about. And there were the few that... Whether they knew what they were talking about or not, it sounded like they knew what they were talking about. And we used to get texts all the time from people. i like, oh, you're stupid. You, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talking about it, and also those conversations seem to have dried up quite a bit too. NFTs, oh, what God. those have
0: tanked. Yeah, yeah. Some, some are doing well. Like that board ape made a crapload of money for the, in the
1: within the metaverse, but it did. But then it's also not nearly what it was. It's funny because we were talking on the show earlier about this music heirs. Um, uh, auction that's going on ahead of the uh, Grammys coming up. The first thing they're auctioning off are two sound system towers with skins that are board Ape skins. So the speakers themselves are NFTs, essentially. Like the NFT is, so it's it's Snoop Dogg and Cordell Broadus. Um It's the sound systems with the NFT and there's a recording session, all this stuff on it. Uh, it has $10,000 less in bids than Harry Styles signed guitar.
0: <laughs> this is the thing. I, as much as I try to absorb it and get into it, it's so new. Like There are people that are real smart. In the world of finance, mm-hmm. that don't wholeheartedly understand either complete structure of crypto. They understand blockchain and that kind of bank. and that that's not a negative. But some of these these crypto coins, so to speak, are coming out of nowhere. You're like what, what what is this? Uh, yeah, exactly. Where's my money going? Who? How do I cash this out? Yeah. And then with NFTs, and there it was one. Oh, it was a hip hop artist. It, and if I, my numbers are off, but it's it was crazy paying hundreds of thousands of do- uh, dollars for an NFT that now is worth like Nothing? eight grand. Yeah. Which yeah. you'd go, hey, eight grand is still something. Not when you've
1: paid hundreds of thousands exactly, of dollars for Exactly. For sure. It. <laughs> yeah. We, it's funny because uh, backstage, Ollie, huge Fortnite player right yeah. now, all he wants for his birthday is V-Bucks. So he wants 25 bucks uh, that equal whatever, a couple thousand in world, so he can buy pixels. Like, oh, Loving the skins, huh? Loves the skins. And I even asked him, was like, can you buy like specialized weapons and stuff that you keep? He's like, no, you don't really keep anything. Like you play it in the match and then it's gone. I was like, oh, okay. And I just ribbed him nonstop. I was like, he got $100 worth of V-Bucks over Christmas from various, from Santa, and from uncles, uh, yeah. grandma and grandpa, that sort of thing. So he talks about it. I'm like, <laughs> Ollie, $100 just went into pixels on your screen that in a few months, maybe a couple of years, won't exist. Like you're not going to play it anymore. And as I said that, I was like, oh, that sounds awfully familiar with a bunch of adults <laughs> in the crypto world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Candy Crush. Or, or... Candy... Yeah, exactly. Oh. For sure. Yeah. I had to... My wife, like, she'll kill
0: me if she hears it, but we had to have a condo because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't Candy Crush. I'm trying to think of the game. And so she has a work credit card like for business expenses. Yep. And so I was helping her go through some tax stuff. And I was like, Apple. <laughs> yeah. Man, they're really digging you for the cloud. I'm like... "Oh." That's not that clever. Like, are you buying jewels and or coins? And she hung her head in shame. Oh, and was like, man. It got me. Like, you of all people, you're the most logical thinking person ever who would never, never. And for someone who would give me crap going, just go buy the PlayStation game, Jeff. Don't download it. I'm like, I'm downloading it. It's on the hard drive. It's mine. Right. I, yeah. I keep it. It doesn't disappear. Yeah.
1: He said, Oh, don't, don't be one of those. that buys, you know, candy cr- and insurance. <laughs> no, it's she- that mindset. So I'll be honest with you. I have played the, uh, Simpsons game on, on the iPhone for 10 years now and not, not every day, not like, but I'll, I'll, it's still pretty active. Yeah. It's building Springfield. Like it's basically Farmville except Simpsons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My city is gigantic. I have almost $4 billion in the game, but it's a free download. And I have spent the odd time I would drop a few bucks for whatever reason. And my whole thought is I've spent now at this point in ten years, hours and hours on this game. What's a few bucks here and there? When especially when you're spending eighty dollars for a game that you'll right, spend twenty right. hours on or something like that. But you have to have the mindset of this is a free game and I'm not gonna put money into it, or you'll be because like, I'm sure Sarah is more like, Oh, what's two bucks? What's five bucks here and, and there? that's
0: just it. Because yeah. at first i think like, my cloud cost me like eight bucks. Yeah. Cause I think I have, or, or $12, so I think I have a terabyte.
1: Right. And I'm like,
0: you don't have that much.
1: <gasps> yeah, oh, That's it exactly. That's you have to is. have that mindset that this is a free game, that all that stuff is just, it's designed to make you pay, but- yeah. If, if, if you remember, this is a free game and don't be spending money on it. Yeah, limited play, yeah, limited play. Off. Oh,
0: wall. Pay to get around the wall. Yeah, and, and you yeah. just keep, you think, gosh, they get you.
1: I still deal more with uh, ads than I do ever spending $3 for the ad free oh, version. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll watch those ads and I'll completely ignore them. Before I'm going to spend three or five bucks on the phone. Uh, I'm game. with you. Or just I buy a game outright and like same right, right now yeah.
0: in playing the latest Call of Duty. Shocker. They want you. To, oh, you want to get past this? You can buy some specialized weapons.
1: Wow. Yeah, like, but after you've paid for it already, that's what drives me nuts. Oh, dude. I've seen these memes and they talk about, uh, you know, as you and I growing up on like Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Yeah. When you bought the game, even if it was $80, you bought the game that had been completed. It was done. Front to back, everything in that game is on a cartridge, and it's done. You buy it, you play it, you're done. And now, with any game, for 80 bucks, you get it, then there's an expansion pack, and then there's DLC, and then there's extra things that you spend in here and there. And it's like, what happened to just buying a fully completed game where you don't end up spending more because it gets you
0: bonuses or whatever oh, you're hundred percent bang on I, I recall finishing a game you'd wait then you'd move over to something else and then come back in a couple of months and hey i'll start it over again for sure
1: yeah absolutely. and that was
0: sufficient and then a couple of years later they'd give you volume two yeah contra two sucked contra was great <laughs> it did not go well yeah <laughs> up down up down left right 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 a b a b yes. select start select, boom Classic. and the unlimited Classic. lives I love it, all of that thing. Okay, so we've got a little bit of a shorter podcast today. Uh, just wanted to ch- check in, Here's some things on our mind. Uh, again, Zellers, when we know the official opening date. We'll let you know. Um, otherwise, that's it. Thanks a ton for checking out the podcast. And before we wrap this all up, uh, Benny's going to take over. As, as you know, with his background in, in motion pictures prior to the radio side,
1: uh, you wanted to bring in someone locally to chat. Yeah, this is Christina Esposito. She's a producer for a film that was almost entirely filmed and produced in London. Uh movie's called Adult Adoption. So we've got Christina Esposito here, producer on a movie that was, was it fully entirely filmed in London or like 80%? You can really tell that there's a lot of it for sure.
2: Yeah, um, it was partly filmed partly in London. Filmed, yeah. yeah.
1: So The movie's called Adult Adoption and you're a producer on it. And it's uh, you know is, was it entirely Canadian made? Is there a little bit of American influence there too, or was it all Canadian done?
2: Yep, all Canadian. Canadians are all in it. It was shot in either London or Toronto. Amazing, um, so totally Canadian.
1: That's great. And so uh, you know, one of the big questions that uh, as as the big as the resident movie geek, I'm always asked, what exactly does a producer do in a film? So, what's your role in this?
2: Yeah. So um, as a producer, basically whatever needs to be done to, to get the movie made. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, a producer is like an organizer. So, you know, hiring everyone, um, keeping track of all the contracts, making sure everything's in place. But especially as an indie producer, it's kind of just making sure, um, you know, kind of putting out fires day to day and just making sure it gets done. So sometimes that's working on contracts and making sure they're, you know, they're done properly. Mm-hmm. And then other times it's, you know, Windexing a window so that the <laughs> the DP can shoot through it. and
1: a little set design so, in there too. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it just depends.
2: <laughs> it just kind of depends. You just got to do what you have to to make sure it gets done.
1: For sure. It's a fascinating movie because it is, um, it is a full on indie Canadian made film. What was the budget on it?
2: Uh, just over two hundred thousand.
1: Just over two hundred thousand dollars, and I mean, there for obviously we're not talking superheroes. We're not talking. It's a very slice of life sort of movie. Yes. Um, In London, you can tell. I mean, obviously, Acropolis is a big part of the movie, which is so cool. Um, Some downtown shots. You can see the Canada Life Building in the background. You can see... uh, I I do want to know which restaurant that they go to. I don't know. I didn't know that I recognized that one. Or if that was a different set from a different spot.
2: Yeah, so that one was in. So, basically, we were supposed to film the whole thing 100% in London, Mm -hmm. March 2020. Um, Obviously... Couldn't yeah, do that. That's,
1: uh, <laughs> that's a date that sticks out in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um. And so uh, we ended up over the year kind of raising a bit more just because COVID costs ended up, you know, oh, absolutely. adding to the budget. Yeah. Uh, so March 2021, we had enough, you know, enough of a budget to go forward, but it just wasn't enough to fully film in uh, London with all the COVID guidelines and travel back and forth. And for that. sure. So we ended up doing a lot of exterior shots in London so that it still takes place in London. We really wanted to, we really wanted it to take place in London. Uh, we also received some London Arts Council grant for for Amazing. working here. So, you know, yeah. we wanted to put that kind of back into the community as well. So... um and then interiors, a lot of the interiors were shot in Toronto just because logistics-wise of yes, COVID, basically.
1: For sure. And it's not explicitly a London, uh, that she lives in London necessarily. It's not necessarily mentioned that way. Yeah. But it is very Canadian. You could tell that it is a Canadian story. It's a Canadian location and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rosie, the main character, uh, Ellie Moon, she wrote the... movie as well yes how how did you get involved in this was this like a passion project of hers that she was getting people signed on to or how did the whole thing kind of come into being
2: yeah so in uh, what feels like forever ago um, (laughs) 2019 um, I wasn't really doing any I didn't have any projects coming up and I kind of just emailed out to everyone I knew in the industry saying hey if anyone's looking for a producer um, and a mutual friend connected us And and said, you know, I have this friend who has a script who's looking for a producer. And then we talked. And right when I heard about the story, I thought it was really interesting. And
1: it is an interesting story. Yeah. And if if you haven't seen or heard anything about it, it's called Adult Adoption. Tell us a little bit about the storyline.
2: Yeah. So uh, it's about Rosie and she's aged out of the foster care system. Um, She's aged successfully. You know, she has a job kind of beat all of the odds. She has a successful life. And then uh, we meet her at the beginning of beginning of the film and she finds something's missing so she decides to go online to find love with a parent
1: it's really an interesting conceit behind it and the way it plays out I think some things we kind of expected but a lot we definitely did not expect <laughs> you know and it is it feels it's obviously very very based in reality was there did Ellie have any kind of uh, any history with this, or is this just a story that she kind of thought up based on on where we're at with you know dating apps and that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, so um, she isn't a foster a foster child, right. um, but she does have you know certain connections to certain elements of the character. I won't go too much into no, know, no her. spoilers.
1: No, <laughs> um, but
2: but there are definitely some connections there. And then you know when she kind of um, came up with the idea, she started doing some research, and you know there are online forums for younger adults who are looking for parental figures whether it's because they never had any or they're estranged from their actual parental figures yeah um so so yeah it's a really interesting i i really at first really um was drawn to it because i think it's a different side that you don't really see of foster for sure foster children like you know, anything like that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It is interesting stuff. So, um, the Highland in London playing it this coming Friday. So we are, we're interviewing on Monday. This will probably drop on Tuesday, but on Friday there's a screening. So you're kind of doing that whole, uh, the, the movie wrapped up last year that you, you finished filming. Is that right? Or 2021. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've been, so where have you been so far screening the film?
2: Yeah. So we did the festivals, festival circuit. So it premiered in Glasgow film festival. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of did like a cross Canada tour started at the Atlantic Film Festival, um, Calgary Whistler for City here in London.. Yep, yep. Um, and a, a bit in the states as well. And then yeah, we finished off with the Whistler Film Festival in December. And then just last weekend we have our, we had our first theatrical. Screening in Toronto. It was a sold out house in Toronto, um, and yeah. So now we're doing theatrical. Well, Amazing. here in London at the Highland, uh, Friday the twentieth, seven p.m. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then it'll also screen um, from the twentieth to the twenty fifth in Vancouver, as well as um, in February. Um, in Winnipeg. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I think maybe there's a few other potential places. It
1: is that slow kind of try to get it out. And I mean, we're looking at uh, a world right now where all the movies have to be either the biggest blockbusters that you can like all the money or none of the money basically, you know, (laughs) and then, um, so after that, uh, some options to see it will be VOD eventually.
2: Yes. Yes. So in Canada, it'll be VOD, I believe at the end of February. Mm -hmm. Um, not sure the exact platforms yet. Um, there is uh, an adult adoption Instagram and Twitter page that we announce all of that on. So um, we'll definitely be posting that.
1: For um, any, you know, for any film fan, it's it's so cool to see. We always talk about, um, you know, in the Marvel Universe or something like that, you see a reference from a different movie and you're so ingrained into that world. But when you see something that is filmed where you're living and it's it's a lot of that oh, hey, I know that place. I've been there, you know, that kind of thing. And you see so many familiar. Really, I think it brings the story home a lot more than it would. it connects people a lot more. Like even just the kind of downtown evening shots of walking around, like we were saying, you see the Canada Life building all lit up in the background and you yeah. see these kind of things. It's really fascinating. What, as a Canadian producer and a micro budget kind of uh, film that you're working with, what, what are the unique challenges to that?
2: Um I mean, you kinda have to find find creative ways mm-hmm. to make sure that even though it is low budget, it doesn't feel low budget. For sure I guess. For sure. Yeah. Um and uh and yeah, I think kind of being a creative logistical producer yeah. um, and kind of thinking of unique ways that you can do things for a little bit less.
1: It is that that change of like, how do we make this work rather than how much do we have to spend to make exactly as we want it kind of thing, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. It's, yeah. okay,
2: this is what we have, so how can we make that, yeah, make that work?
1: Exactly. So how many are on, like how many people were you working with any given day on a, on a movie this size?
2: Um, so we had, so it was a little bit different because it was, March 2020 with COVID restrictions. Right, we were really yeah. trying to be as um, minimal as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so the crew was, I believe there was 12 uh, really? there every yeah, day, yeah. crew-wise. Um, 12, 13, somewhere around there. Um, and then uh, there would usually be like three, four cast members. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the office, the office scenes were probably the biggest and there right. would be like five or six with background. But, yeah. um, so total, I'd say like 25 was our biggest day, maybe.
1: That's, that's impressive. And how Small. long did it take to, <laughs> uh, what was the filming window? Like how long did it take to actually complete the whole filming process?
2: Yeah, so uh, we had 12 days.
1: Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah,
2: 12 days. Um, we did... Yeah, we ended up having a COVID case on set. So we had 10 days and then shut down just to be safe and, you know, make sure kept everyone safe. Yeah. Um, And then we had another um, two separate days after that. So that whole period was about two, three months, but it was actually only the actual days days. of
1: filming. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how do. Were there, like, sets of rehearsals ahead of time? Like, was it table reads? Or was it kind of everybody learned their own parts and you try to get it together as quickly as you can?
2: Yeah, I mean, everybody... It was kind of everybody learned their own parts. Um, Knox, the director... um Karen Knox, she's Mm -hmm. great. Um, So she uh, really had like conversations with all of the actors in advance about the characters just to make sure everyone was kind of on the same page. For sure. Um, And then Ellie, who plays Rosie um, and also, you know, wrote the script, she's uh, amazing as well. And she. Kind of already knew some of the actors as well, I think, uh, and okay. that kind yeah. of probably helped, very um, Canadian, as well as yeah. <laughs> yeah, very Canadian. I mean, we actually ended up offering all of the roles. Pretty much all of the roles were offers; they weren't, you know. Oh, of that because yeah. we knew kind of who who
1: we wanted, and so there were already yeah.
2: some connections there, I think, which helped. But um, but yeah, it's also really a testament. We had a we got lucky. We had a really great cast so. That's awesome. it's
1: awesome it's like I said if you're if you're a fan of the process of making a movie there's so much to enjoy aside from just the story but to see how everything's set up and again to see these familiar places that are now it's not just a news story or something like that like they have been worked to, to fit into this film it's really fascinatingly done And then the story itself is actually very interesting, too. And it's a great I I was saying off the air, I kind of, you know, you hate to say I'm surprised at how well made it is (laughs) because it is such a small budget Canadian film. We've seen we've seen a lot of, you know, Canadian movies and and TV kind of get that bad rap of being a little cheesy, a little low budget, that sort of thing. But it is incredibly well done. Uh, So. Once again, The Highland this Friday. You can yes. check it out at 7 p.m.
2: 7 p.m., yes.
1: 7 p.m. There you can follow the Facebook and Instagram accounts. Uh,
2: Instagram. Instagram. Instagram and Twitter. Account. Okay, yeah. Yep, yep. Instagram and Twitter. And there is actually $5 tickets for Western and Fanshawe students as well.
1: Amazing. Fantastic. So. so, yeah. How many times have you seen this movie now? When you do the festival circuit, <laughs> you're, you're screening it, you're there. You must have seen it a I don't times even now. know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw
2: it probably, you know, 20 or 30 times through post. And right. then... I don't even know how many times through festivals, but but it's good. And honestly, like I still kind of find some, you know, different parts in it or um, yeah, yeah. It uh, is a
1: layered. There are so many, there are some surprises throughout the whole thing and mm -hmm. you can kind of, I think, You know, I haven't done a repeat viewing yet, but I'm sure during a repeat viewing you can kind of see a little bit of it being foreshadowed slightly, you know, kind of telegraphed a little bit down the line. But I think that's, I mean, that's what makes for a good, like I said, a kind of smaller scale slice of life story is this one. So very cool. We appreciate you coming by and, well, uh, and tell us a little me. bit about it. Very exciting. Again, the Highland, and then we'll be able to see it VOD probably the end of February. Yes. Amazing. Christina Esposito, thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: JLB Mornings.
2: Weekdays 6 till 10 on Virgin Radio. And on demand anytime on the iHeartRadio app.
0: And for more on the show, visit virginradio.ca.